0: Everybody, Kayla had me at Taco Bar. Uh, That speaks to my, that speaks to my soul in many ways. Hey, uh, welcome once again to the gathering. My name is Steve, and I'm the lead pastor here. I want to invite you to meet me in Hebrews chapter 11. So, if you have uh, your physical Bibles, that's towards the end of the Bible, Um, and then you uh, you can find that on your phone on our app, uh, which you've heard about many times already. Uh, great resource for that as well. Hebrews 11 is where we're going to be this morning. Want to say happy Lunar New Year. Last week I said Happy New Year because it was our first gathering of the actual like calendar year, but today's also uh, Lunar New Year. So happy uh, Lunar New Year to you all. As you are looking up Hebrews 11, uh, a little bit of context. We're just going to read a very short portion of this passage, which is uh, it's actually a very long chapter. It's a very famous. Uh, chapter within the larger scope of scripture. And it's a chapter where the author is uh, listing out all of these like heroes of the faith. Abraham, Moses, Rahab, Sarah, like all these big names. If you've read the Old Testament, it's all the big names of the Old Testament story. And um, and then we kind of are going to drop into the middle here. And then they continue on with, with the Old Testament story after this. So, We're not going to go through all of Hebrews chapter 11 today, but that's a little bit of the background for verse 13, which is where we pick it up. So the author says here, all these people, again, these are all these big Old Testament names. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. This is going to be a significant part of our conversation here over the next couple of weeks as we talk about our vision as a church, who we are and what we are doing here in Davis, in Yolo County, in the world at this moment. We're going to be using this imagery of country, new country and old country, They'd been thinking of the country that they had left. They would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country. They were longing for the new country, a heavenly one. therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray. Father, we ask now as we, uh, as we step into this new conversation as we start talking about our vision as a church, as we reflect on these words from the book of Hebrews, that you would hold all the stuff that we bring into this morning with us, that we might be fully present. God, we are ready to receive whatever it is that you want to speak to us today. Would you give us the courage to respond in whatever ways we need to respond? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, speaking of Jesus, he was born 2,000 years ago, lived to be about 33 years old, and then died on a Roman cross and was resurrected three days later, changing everything. Turning the world upside down, transforming human history. 500 years after Jesus, though, things continue to change, right? History continues to move forward, even though in the wake of this massive event. 500 years after Jesus, in the rubble of the fallen Roman Empire, Gregory the Great becomes Pope. Europe, at this point, was in chaos. It was Gregory who who gave the, the papal blessing to the monastic movement. Monks in monasteries all throughout the continents provided order, created a peaceful space, and maybe most importantly, they copied scroll after scroll of ancient writings, including what we uh, what we hold to be the Bible, copied these ancient scrolls into primitive books, this, this gift to humanity as Europe was about to descend. Another big moment, another massive shift. The first church split occurred. It was known as the Great Schism. This is where the church divides between the East and the West. What we now call Eastern Orthodox or the Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church. 500 years later. Next big split, the Great Reformation. Martin Luther nails his 95 theses onto the door of a church in Wittenberg, Germany launching the Protestant movement. Do you see this pattern here? Every 500 years, these massive events. Now, obviously, there's a very clear Western bias to these moments. But none of these moments happened in a vacuum. These big shifts occurred because the world was changing. It wasn't just because somebody woke up one day and decided, oh, we need to change the way that we do church. No, there were all sorts of things that were changing. The, the political world, the economic world, the technological world was changing. Let me just give a few simple examples. The monastic movement does not happen without the universality of Latin. Right? Language that connected people. The Great Schism does not occur without the development of a road system its emphasis on individually connected in new ways the great reformation with its emphasis on individual belief it does not happen without the enlightenment and in particular without the printing press where the bible becomes widely available to people to read on their own for the first time all of which brings us to today because if you've been tracking with this you'll notice hey we're that's 500 another 500 years right To our moment now, some people have dubbed this the Great Emergence. Emergence because it is still happening. The story is still being written. No one's totally sure exactly where this thing is going to land or what we're going to call it in 500 years from now. Hard to pinpoint exactly when this moment begins. I think a convenient date is 1995. This is around the time that the internet starts to become more ubiquitous. Those of us who are old enough to remember, this is when the AOL CDs started showing up in the mail. And a whole generation of college students uh, had free coasters. If you were there, you know what I mean. Since then, since then, right, the changes have been massive. Wi-Fi, smartphones, social media, 9-11, the war on terror, global political upheaval, shifting alliances and centers of power, mass migrations of people around the world, climate change, advances in genetic research, artificial intelligence, pandemics. Right? The world has changed. And it has changed massively, and it has changed rapidly, and it continues to change. And in each of these hinge moments, these transition moments, the church has also had to change. Had to accept the invitation to go into the new country or hunker down in the old country. Now I want to be clear about something here as we talk about this today and for the next couple of weeks. This idea of new country and old country and and how that pertains to our vision as a church, we, and when I say we, I mean like the royal global we. We are still very much in this transition. And so I want to be careful about characterizing the old as bad and the new as good. Right? In a transition like this, old country churches can provide stability and familiarity, especially for for people who desire that. As everything else is changing, at least this is something that I can hold on to. New doesn't always mean better. But here's, here, here is where we are going with this conversation. For us. For us, Discovery. We hold a deep conviction that we are called to be a new country church. I think this calling is even, is even baked into our name, right? Discovery. We are explorers of this new territory, which doesn't mean that we have all of this figured out or that we have uh, all the answers or some sort of secret formula that's unlocked the code. Not at all. It simply means that we have committed. Other, we have committed. Now, sometimes when when I talk about this, when when we talk about this, uh, it can feel a little like audacious. And I think sometimes the 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 uh, expectation is that, oh, so this means that we're going to like do a lot of really weird things. Uh, Like, you know, gather on Thursday morning. Or, you know, just be a church in in the metaverse. Or do techno worship. Or I don't know, like just whatever, like some, like, oh, this is going to be crazy. And, And the truth is that our basic functionality... Gatherings, neighborhood communities, generosity, loving our neighbors—those those sorts of things—are uh, pretty traditional, right? Exploring the new country is not so much uh, about the what; it's much more, I think, about the how, right? So it's not about doing radically different. No, no one's ever seen this thing before, kind of stuff. But it's more about how do we navigate this together? Same functions, but very different context. And posture. Really big on this idea of posture. That difference, man, the how is critical and the how is why we find ourselves in Hebrews 11 here for a couple of weeks, talking about faith. The the chapter begins with this uh, uh, very uh, memorized verse, right? For those of you who've been in church for a while, you've Probably heard this before. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then again, the author starts going into the, the, the stories and the names, all these different people. Exploring the new country is an act of faith faith that says, We will go. We will go into the unknown. We will go into this new territory even if it makes us uncomfortable. Right? Even if everything else is changing around us and we just want to hold on to something, we're still going to go into this because this is what God has called us to do. Faith says perhaps this disruption, this transition, this hinge moment that we are in is not a call to a culture war. It is not an invitation to resist change, bury our heads in the sand and pretend like nothing is happening. Faith says this is not something to be afraid of. Faith says perhaps this big change that our world is going through is an opportunity. That pattern that we see, it should be a signal to us. God is going to do something very interesting. Fresh expressions of the kingdom of God. Faith says God still wants the church to be a force for good in the world. But man, disruption, transition, change, it's scary, right? It can freak us out for sure, but it's also full of potential. And again, I think the beauty of our moments is that this is an invitation to grow in faith. This is an invitation to grow in faith. Change can cause deep despair, but also become a source of great Hope. And there are definitely reasons for despair. You don't have to do very much Googling to find church attendance and participation is way down. Uh, the number of churches closing is, is higher than the number of churches that are opening. Uh, the fastest growing category of spirituality in our country is none, right? People who don't want to be associated with faith or religion at all. Plenty of reasons to despair, but also reasons for hope. And some of that is statistical, the, the largest generation going to church right now is millennials. And many commentators believe that Gen Z is the most spiritually open generation in, in decades. But our vision is not really about numbers and trends. Living by faith. It's about leaving the old country and embracing this adventure, this journey into the new country. Even if we don't know what that looks like. It's that adventure of faith that we are on together. Now, three words from the text that I think help us sort of frame this journey. The first word is admitting. And this is kind of what we've been doing already this morning. But just admitting and naming what is real. Again, the world has changed. And in many, many too, it's still going back. There's no putting it back in the box, right? The world has changed. The church needs to change too. And so we begin by admitting this is, where, this is where things are. This is who we are and this is who we are becoming, a church family for spiritual explorers of this new country. Let me say that again. This is who we are and who we are becoming, a church family for spiritual explorers of this new country. There will always, though, be a temptation to go back. And this is our second word, the word return, returning. And in any the adventure, there's a point of, of no return. My son and I have been reading The Lord of the Rings. Uh, I am actually quite impressed at his ability to hang with it because um, it's kind of boring. Is that, is that controversial? Maybe. <laughs> no. Amen. Amen. Uh, but man, when you read that book, like there's, there's all these moments right, where it's like they could, have, they could have given up. They could have turned back. There's always a moment in the story where the hero can go back to the known or press on and see what happens next. And, and quite frankly, just a moment of confession. This is the hardest part for me because I think especially in this transition moment, I've seen a lot of people decide to go back. And again, I want to be really careful about being too critical of that because I think that since we are in a transition and no one totally knows what's going to be on the other side of this, there is something to saying, you know what, like, I need this. I need this stability, predictability. I need the old country. But for me and for us, Discovery, we have been called to the new country. We cannot go back. And so there's these moments of return, but our commitment is to press in and continue to move forward into the new country, which leads us to the third word, which is the word longing. Longing. We're not a new country church because it's convenient or easy or cool or trendy. It really, this is, again, confession moment bothers me when people say that. Because to me, exploring the new country is not the easy choice. This is is the harder choice. It's easier to stay in the old country and run the old playbook and hope for the best. But we press on because we long to be a part of the new thing that God is doing. We we long to be a church where people can discover the good news of Jesus. And, And for a lot of people who are growing up in this new world... The old country way of communicating the good news of Jesus just doesn't work. It's two different languages, which we're going to talk about more here in just a second. And so for us, and so for us, it's not just about let's hunker down and hope that some people connect to this to this thing, but it's like we have to do this—not for us, but for this emerging generation that needs the good news of Jesus just as much as any other generation. It needs a church to be willing to go into this new territory and explore it and say there's still good news to be found here. Jesus is still here doing things, working in people's lives, changing people, and we want to be a part of that. There's nothing easy or convenient about that. So my question for us, for each one of us, is do we have that longing? Do we have that longing for the new country? That longing for God to move, for fresh expressions of his mission that sustains us in the uncertainty, in the moments where the old maps are not working and we're not totally sure where we are. Is this thing going to work? What have we done? Oh, the new country. God's doing something. Let's keep going and see what happens. Right, the old maps that don't work. This, this. Um, speaking of maps, when you go... On an adventure, when you go on a trip, you need to take some stuff with you, right? There are some tools and some resources that that you need when you go explore new territory. I just want to give us three. And these are, I think, both work in kind of a general sense, but also are very specific, I think, to our vision for this year. Some things that we can be doing together as a community right now, starting January 2023 and continuing on this year. So first tool is developing a new language, right? When you visit a new country, it really helps to know the language. My family and I had the opportunity to uh, go with a team from Discovery to Uruguay in March. Um, They speak Spanish in Uruguay, which I do not speak, And so I felt very deeply the tension of going to a new country without the tool of a new language. My kids, though, are in a dual uh, immersion Spanish program here in Davis. And so this was just a really beautiful moment to watch them be immersed in this culture and get to use this skill that they have. My favorite moment of the trip, really, and probably actually of the entire year, was, was this particular time where we were somewhere in the city and we were trying to figure out how to get from you know, point A to point B. And, and the person who was with us helping us only spoke Spanish and I uh, uh, really only speak English. And so we're trying to figure this out between the two of us, very limited bilingual skills and we are not connecting, right? We are not able to figure it out and we're having that moment of like, you're just looking at each other. Like maybe telepathically we can do this. And it wasn't working, and so my daughter Marina comes up to me, and my kids are in this program. They don't like speaking Spanish at home, probably because they have a gringo dad. Um, but I think also because it feels a little bit like school. But this was real world, and so she comes up to me and she goes, "Dad, you know I can do this." You know, and if I if I had asked her, probably would have been like, "No, nah, I'm not doing that." But she is like, she sees what is happening and is like, "I can do this," and so I just take a step back. And the two of them figure it out. And this was like a conversation about buses. And I'm like, I'm like weeping, right? Like, oh, look at this. It's beautiful. And they're just like figuring out the bus route or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> this is like what happens to you when you're a parent. You cry about weird stuff. The beauty of that is what? In a new country, you need good translators. You need good translators. I view this as part of my role, actually, as your pastor. Helping us translate between the old and the new. And I think it's what our leaders here do really well. And I think this is a big part of what we are called to do as a church. Help people translate between the old and new countries. Now, here's, here's the really practical part of this. And this is going to be a little bit blunt. But I just got to name it. Part of this process, part of learning and developing uh, the, new, the new language that we need for this new country. Is we've got to kill some Christianese. There we go. We, we've got to kill some of these Christian cliches. They don't work. They don't work in the new country. And it's kind of like me and, and, and uh, uh, what's his name? Julio? Husa. thank you. Uh, trying to talk to each other and it, it just doesn't click, right? And so there are, are, are words and phrases that maybe worked for us in the old country, that we have to let go of, we have to unlearn some language. So again, this is this is maybe a little bit silly, but it's 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 these kinds of things that can have a big uh, have a big impact and help clarify ways stay right. Words like salvation and repentance and faith and righteousness; these are good words. Sometimes we need to scrub them up a little bit, or maybe we need to uh, 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 throw out some of the baggage that we have with them. But these are good words that will not go anywhere. There are also, though, new words that we've been developing, right? Language that we've been developing here at Discovery, introducing new terms like shalom, right? Talking about, so there's kind of the the bigger picture theological words, but we also need new cultural words. And let me just give you a couple of examples Here at Discovery, we say say gatherings. When we talk about what happens on Sunday morning, we say gatherings, not service. And again, that's one of those things that might sound like, oh, that's really nitpicky or or whatever, just semantics. But I think this is a really important distinction. We talk about gatherings, not services, because a service is something that is done to you. A, A service is a product that you consume. A gathering is something that you participate in. And this is a big part of that shift, I think, from the old country to the new country. From consumers to participants. Right, from I just, I, I go and this thing happens to me to I'm a part of this family. Are you with me? The other thing we don't say is meet me at church. All right, if you ever say that to me, I am going to drive to your house. I'm going to be like, what are you doing here? You said meet me at church. Why? Because you are the church. The church is not a building. It is not a place we meet at. It is a family that we are a part of. You are the church. We gather at the Brunel Performance Theater. Right? But we meet. We meet as a family. And when that happens... On Sunday morning, it happens on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, Thursday. It happens all the time. You are always a part of the church. We gather at the theater. Again, these are small things, but they're really big things that that can help us navigate this this difference between the old country and the new country. All right, so new language. Second thing is we also need new metrics. We need new metrics. Measuring church health by Sunday attendance and money has been proven to not even work in the old country. So why would we want to bring that into the new country? Right? So we need new metrics. They, oh, by the way, my favorite is uh, the, the who comes on Sunday and money thing is called budgets and butts. All right? No more of that. I, I mean, those are they're important things. But we are, are, are working on, okay, what are some new metrics that help tell the story of what God is actually doing? How people are growing and engaging in the mission. And so a very practical thing for us is is, uh, what we have called our Church Pulse Survey. Our deacon team has been wrestling with this question of new metrics for the new country for the last couple of years. And out of that conversation has come this tool called the Church Pulse Survey, which, by the way, is not like a um, do you like discovery or not kind of survey. You can can give us that feedback if you really want to. Um, Yelp is good for that, things like that. This is about how are we collectively engaging in this new country, exploring this new territory mission. And so there's some different questions on there. You guys should be getting, um, speaking of the app, you should have gotten a push notification. Let's see if it came. Boom. There it is. Um, So if you have the app, you'll have access to it there. But it will also, we'll send it out this week in the weekly email. And you can find it on the webpage as well. It's going to be available in a lot of places. Don't take it right now, by the way. Even though we send it to you. That's just to kind of give you a little hint of what's to come. All right. I do want to challenge you to take this at some point. Maybe it's this afternoon. Maybe it's later this week. This is not just uh, UN and the elders want some data that they can crunch the numbers on. Although he loves that. So you are actually giving him a good gift uh, by responding to the survey. This is not busy work, though. This is one of those things. It may not seem like a big deal. But it is a way for all of us collectively to participate in this mission. Because the, the, as we do this, as we participate, it helps paint the picture and it gives us a lot of insight into are we, like, how are we doing. It, it's about creating these new metrics to help tell the story of what God is doing in our community better. Which, by the way, leads to the last thing is we also need new stories. And really, new stories are just old stories. Uh, maybe with with a different frame. But to me, this might be the most important one because it is in the stories that this comes to life. It's why the author of Hebrews, I think, spends so much time talking about all these people. Right, because it's the stories that, that help us see, oh, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to go to new territory. That's what it looks like to do this exploration. That's what it looks like when God shows up in a new way and now you have something to share. So today, next Sunday, the week after, we're going to have an opportunity to hear from some different people in our community, their new country story. And today we begin with one of our elders, Janine, who's going to share her story with us now. So take a look at the screen.
1: I was raised in a conservative uh, fundamental church. Um, Our church was very close-knit and and just was family to me. My faith was based on, developed, um, based on my understanding of God is that the Bible is given to us uh, to give us a basis for what's right and what's wrong, and so my faith was all based on what I could do, um, not at all really recognizing God's grace for me. Through growing up, through my life, I, being the somewhat oldest child, overachiever, I always was, you know, focused on doing right. And because I'm human, I sin and I failed and I would make wrong choices. My marriage failed. I couldn't even hold that together. And so um, I experienced a lot of shame in that. And so instead of turning towards God out of shame, I would I turned away from God. I uh, left my hometown, and and when I moved to Davis, I found a community of believers um, that truly love God um, and were really um, transparent in their struggles, and um, really out of their love for God, that motivated their actions. It wasn't it was evident that it was not, they, they did not have the sense that they are going to earn their God's love, God's love by doing anything in particular. It was in their response to God's love for them. This new community of believers helped me realize that I needed to leave the old country and to really embrace um, God's grace for my life, that unmerited, unmerited favor. In no way do I blame those people that raised me, loved me, my Sunday school teachers, my youth leaders, my immediate family that all wanted the best for me and wanted me to um, experience God's love. Going back to that being overachiever, oldest child, I really kind of, I think over the years have viewed things through that lens, not allowing me to see um, God's grace for me. Romans 3:23 says that we've all we've all sinned and we fall short and um thank thank God for his grace, you know. So I personally will n- never be enough as well any of the rest of us um, it's God's grace that that gives us that salvation and the body is made from the the big church globally or the local church I believe that everything that we do should point to something greater than ourselves it's the church is not about us and so that's um, I think that's why I've just I just have hung on at discovery through challenges it's just Real important that we recognize our role and in, in that um, what we have to contribute and love others. Work on relationship with God, deepening that relationship through prayer, um, through uh, contemplative Bible reading, just, just focus on a deeper relationship with God. Um, I believe that um, through that, all good things will flow. Um, the other thing I would encourage people to do is to to find people within the body that you feel comfortable with, that you can share transparently with, that um, you can go to in prayer to be lifted up, to uh, seek accountability. Um, I'm just in awe of how much. <clears throat> My shame has melted away over the years with having connection. And um, gosh, you're going to get all weepy. You'll find people that have very similar struggles. And those people are key to, <clears throat> to your faith, to desiring a closer relationship with God and, and working on that.
0: So Janine um, recorded that killer video and then took off for the East Coast. So you'll have to wait for her to come back to tell her uh, what a great job she did. But man, I appreciate her willingness to share. And there are a couple of things that I want to say building off of that as we get ready for communion. Um, the first is this. There, there's kind of her story. I just like heard the trajectory of her life. But there's also within that, I hope you heard some of this, like the story of her at Discovery as our church has been through this old country, new country transition. And um, she has been around here for 15-plus years um, and has seen a lot of, a, a lot of change, um, but has continued to stick with it and is not just someone who has stuck with it, but is now actually like, leading us, right, forming the future with us uh, as an elder. And that's a beautiful part of, of her story. And then I think, again, the big theme of shame to grace. And as we get ready for communion, I mean, there's, there's obviously like, we've just scratched the, the, the surface here today. There's so much more that we could talk about, about new country, what does that mean, implications, all that kind of stuff. Uh, underneath all of it, though, is the same old story, right? Which is about the goodness and grace of God as demonstrated through his son, Jesus. Jesus. And so this is one of the reasons why we come to the communion table week after week is just to remember and celebrate that story and that good news in this very tangible way. So as we come to the table today, I don't know what, uh, what you need to sit with or ponder or, or have a conversation with God about. But I do hope that first of all, we are uh, back to those three words, right, that we collectively long for the new country. Right, for this new thing that God is doing and, and that we get to be a part of that. And then as we enter into the new country together, that we enter, again, as Janine said so beautifully, not from a place of, of shame, but from a place of grace. Right? We've tasted and we've seen how good God is, and all we want to do is share that with other people. Help them take one step, their next step closer to Jesus. So as we sing these last couple of songs, whenever you're ready, come uh, to the communion table. Let me just read this real quick from Luke 20. My body given to you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup saying, this cup is the what? The new covenant. The new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When you're ready, let's take communion together.